you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name's Colin. I am the C. Uh, joining me is Zijan the Z. Zijan, we um, we only flipping went to the cinema with each other, didn't we? I know, right? <laughs> when was the last time we did that? Uh, well, six years ago, maybe. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Yep. And once the pandemic, yeah, once the restrictions are lifted, that's why we did. We made plans and we shot out to the cinema to watch a film. Oh, like keeping it keeping in suspense to the listeners. Um, is it really? They, they, can, I, I, they can see the title of the podcast, is and they know <laughs> exactly. Everyone knows why we're watching. Uh, we went to we went to cinema in Bristol to see uh, Cruella, uh, and indeed we ate Nando's, which is the, uh, the most important part of the uh, as the jaunt. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which is everyone, I suppose. Stephen and I have a long history of going to the cinema and eating Nando's, and it was nice to rekindle that. I know, although the Nando's menu has been, it's quite limited compared to what it was it's before. It's true, it's true. Mm. Uh, also, That's if sad. anyone keeping tabs, uh, Zizan did not return the DVD uh, box that he, let, he borrowed from me. Uh, <laughs> no one is keeping tabs. <laughs> I, I think, I think no one remembers it. I remember it. You, you don't remember it, clearly. I don't even know why you remember it. Uh, it's probably like two pounds now on <laughs> Then you could buy it for me. Um, we saw so Cruella, we'll be talking about that. We'll also be uh, doing a quiz on Blade Runner and its various franchise films, uh, talking about the film Shakespeare in Love, and much, much more. We start, though, with some moving news, Zijan. Um What's been going on in the world of moving news? Well, um, I think the biggest news I have so far is that Amazon, um, making so much money um, during this whole pandemic yep. crisis thing yep. has decided to expand their portfolio by buying MGM um, aka Metro Goldwyn Mayer uh, in an 8 billion dollar uh, plus acquisition yeah, 8.45 billion apparently yeah yeah <laughs> it was a lot of money which means that um, they will acquire such classics as James Bond mm. uh, Rocky Tomb Raider uh, Robocop Legally Blonde um Silence of the Lambs and much, much more. So well, yeah, you I mean you say much, much more? Um, so much more. Yeah, there's a, there's a, that's a lot of money, isn't it? I, I don't eight point four five billion. But you look at the list of things they're getting; it's not that great, is it? I mean, I, MGM have got a, a fine long history and, and they've made many, many great films. But in terms of looking at franchises, that list you're just given, I've got a few more. But um, James Bond is the big one, isn't it? That's a fairly bankable film. Every but that's like one film every, every few three, years, three yeah. or four years, if, if at, yeah. at best. Uh, and in le- and I know they've often talked about doing spin-offs and stuff, and they're they're planning one with Halle Berry's character, and it never happened. Things like that. But unless MGM, sorry, Amazon have got this great idea for a new James Bond series or a young James Bond or something, maybe that maybe that's what they're going to do. But you look on that list, <laughs> like Rocky, yeah, Rocky, okay, the Creed films, they're pretty good. But you're quick. Everything you're, else, you're very quickly getting to things like. <laughs> The Pink Panther? Are people crying out for another Pink Panther film? I mean, uh, Vikings on this list. Is that a TV show? I've never Vikings? Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely a TV show. So, and and a Handmaid's Tale. But yeah, a lot of these are kind of films that. So, I mean, it's, it's things like The Silence of the Lambs. That's a very popular film, and there have been a number of spin offs. But I don't think that they've kind of they've drained that well, haven't they? I know there's a TV series called Hannibal. That's, that's true. And in fact, isn't there, in um, fact, there might be a Clarice one as well thinking about it oh. potentially but yeah I, I do agree these are not big property <laughs> that, that, that Amazon bought over um, but yeah who knows who knows what they plan yeah. to do with it I mean James Bond is the most bankable one so yeah that's the that's I guess that's the one that's top of the list um, Slice the Line was talking about doing a Rocky prequel TV series but um, I think that might have bitten the dust maybe that's oh, that, that's the trend isn't it so maybe that'll be reworking well who knows maybe uh, maybe this will what finally gets me onto Amazon Prime is the uh, legally Bond spin-off movies? What what <laughs> is that uh, that woman in the nail bar really doing? <laughs> Everyone wants to know. That's it. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is going to play a oh. uh, young Willy Wonka in a Willy Wonka prequel, uh, which is already previously announced. But now we know it's him. I think that's good casting for a film that probably doesn't need to happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, speaking about prequels. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it has the same question that I have for this one, which we'll get on to. Is what, what is it a prequel of? Is it a prequel of the book or the Gene Hackman film or the... or the um, do Gene Hackman? Tim Burton, oh, Johnny Depp film. I always got my genes mixed up. Gene Wilder film, Gene not Wilder. Gene Hackman. Um, or yeah, or is it the Tim Burton one or is it 
No, none of those. Uh, he strikes he strikes me as quite Tim Burton kind of kid, Timothy Chalamet. Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, it's directed by Paul King though, who is most okay. well known for his uh, Paddington films, which were really good and yeah, were yeah, very yeah. well received as well. So I'm holding on to hope that you know this um, would turn out great. Apparently, it's going to be a musical too. So that makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. Well, as long as there are no Oompa Loompas dancing and singing about how the children deserve what they get, it's probably... Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't saying, like, right? How great it is that we've been taken into captivity. We love this. <laughs> a, exactly, right? It can't be darker than that, right? <laughs> it's a weird old franchise. Uh, yeah, it does It does seem... I mean, like Cruella, it's just a kind of name recognition. I think people... Well, people don't necessarily love... Like no one's crying out for more Hundred One Dimensions. No one's crying out for more Willy Wonka. But I suppose uh, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Well, of all Raw Dow books, I think Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is probably the most popular one. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm, so there Might, you go. I guess most of them have been turned into films. They can't go. Are there, are there any Raw Dow books that haven't been made into films? Maybe the Twits. Make a film of the Twits. Yep, the Twits probably the one about the lion, the pelican, and me. Okay, there you go. There's, yeah. there's some material for you, Hollywood. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson will be playing Craven the Hunter mm. in Sony's latest Marvel film, which makes this like the third time he's playing a superhero uh, after Kick-Ass and Quicksilver. And in fact, and, uh, we're still not entirely sure what universe these things are in. <laughs> is he, no. he might be in the same universe as Quicksilver? Maybe or not? Who knows? Uh, who knows? There'll be quite an awkward. Uh, well, the thing is, uh, Tom Holland's Spider Man has not met Quicksilver, right? So, no, that's um, true. Although he's met people who met him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think this is going to be a different universe. I think when they do multiverse, they're going to have the Sony things off in a different one. Well, they're they're really creating so many um, films on all the Spidey villains, right? So that's a Mobius film coming out that no one wants. Okay, yeah. well, there's a random film that's out. Um, and now Craven the Hunter so yeah, yeah Sinister Six it's coming you can't stop it uh, so for those for those of our listeners who don't know who Craven the Hunter is Eugene, who's Craven the Hunter uh, <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's a hunter he, he just wants to catch the largest prey there is and for him that prey is Spider-Man except so. in this film it might not be it depends <laughs> <laughs> yeah it probably depends won't, uh, it, but... how much they're allowed to have Tom Holland and these things it's like Venom is like his greatest uh, enemy is Spider-Man, except in this one. <laughs> yep, that's the thing. Like, I don't know who Craven the Hunter bums hits with, apart from Spider-Man. So, maybe Venom. Um, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll hunt Venom. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, good luck to the lad. I like Aaron Taylor-Johnson. I haven't seen him in anything for a while, so... No, I just think last... Uh, I, I watched the Kick-Ass films last year for the first time, but that was obviously mm. quite old. Uh, Joker 2, we, we broke that news last time, uh, and it's still true. Um, yep. I think it wasn't official necessarily last time, but now it is, uh, and it's being written by Todd Phillips again, who I don't think is officially directing, but I assume he will be. Uh, I will be interested if Joaquin Phoenix uh, sign up to it. I don't think they'll do a film without him, So mm. especially since he won Oscar for it, but uh, I'm curious to see whether he will do it, because uh, he doesn't strike... Yeah, we've spoken about this before, but he isn't, doesn't strike us as a franchise kind of person no I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he will be they're not going to go ahead without him are they I wonder if they tied him in with, with the first contract but yeah he's not a sequels guy but maybe uh, maybe he only does sequels to films he wins Oscars for mm. that's <laughs> true um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, who did the wonderful Mitchells vs. the Machines are now attached to produce a live action comedy pick called Strays Oh, yeah. um, which is about uh, an abandoned dog teaming up with other strays to get revenge on their former o- owner. This is live action? Yes, live or action. Or is this yeah. photorealistic CGI type thing? Oh, ah. Um, it says live action. But okay. Yeah. It's about time we uh, brought back real animals doing real stuff. I'm all in favour. Mm, since the Homeward Bound days. Since Homeward Bound, that's the exact film I was thinking of, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> Those those dogs and cat did such a great job. Maybe when was the last? Maybe you can get them in. Well, yeah. When was the last time? Actually, to be fair, oh, what was the film where there was a good dog recently? Uh, Love and Monsters. Yes, the dog there was brilliant. That was a good dog. That was a good yeah. dog. Uh, yeah, there you go. We get that dog. It's more likely to still be alive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the artist. That's a few years ago now. Not a good dog. That's also a good dog. <laughs> uh, we should do an episode on dog. In fact, did, did we already do an episode on dogs? I'm pretty sure we've done we animals, did, uh, animals and films. And film. That was one of our earlier episodes, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, speaking of animals and film, um, there's going to be a Super Pets movie. Um, super Pets movie. Which I think is going to be animated. Uh, and uh, Dwayne Johnson is going to be voicing Crypto the Super Dog. Is that is an existing children's series, I imagine? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's an existing concept. I don't know if there's a series or... Maybe, okay. Maybe. Uh, but that seems... I don't know how much they're Dwayne Johnson, but I thought he'd... Uh, he wouldn't turn out just to voice anything. I assumed it would be a fairly big budget, or fairly... Uh, does, does his dog wear like a khaki jacket and khaki shorts? As I, well? I don't think. It, I think it probably dresses like Superman. If I'm guessing, goes into the jungle. Yeah, no, um, that's pretty much all doing Johnson's That's, that's all he does. Anyway. He does wears khaki and goes to the jungle. And let, apart from those times when he goes into a skyscraper, this is awesome. <laughs> options. Um, I saw. Uh, I saw Rampage the other day. Oh, okay. How was it? Uh, it was fine, I suppose. I wasn't. <laughs> Like I can't honestly say to tell people I was going to watch it. It was probably bad. I wasn't paying that much attention. I think he does both. Actually, I think he wears khaki in the jungle and then goes into a skyscraper. He does. Uh, he hits all yeah. the all the, the Dwayne Johnson. There, key points. There, you there you go. There you go. Rampage is the one with a giant ape, right? That's the one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He must have one khaki somewhere. Yeah, I think he started off in the kind of hey, I'm just hanging out with this giant ape in the jungle, and it's like no, no, the ape got really giant and smashing buildings. Yeah. Like in the computer yeah. game Rampage. That's exact <laughs> the exact dialogue from the film. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, there was a joke about how he thought he was dead or something. It's good times. Mm. <laughs> um, my last video news isn't interesting news, but it's just that Jonathan Majors is in talk to be Michael B. Jordan's new boxing nemesis in Creed 3. Um, Jonathan Majors was in The Five Bloods and Lovecraft Country. Um I don't think those are big name films either. Uh, um, no, The Five Bloods got very good reviews. I've not seen it. Yeah, me neither. Um, but yeah. Good lad. I look forward to Creed 3. Uh, only other thing from me was that uh, the Cruella sequel is in development. Oh, surprise, surprise. So before we've even had a chance to record our episode on it, they're like, yep, let's do this. Let's uh, let's do a Cruella 2. Uh, good old Disney never, you know, I mean... Never cease to not surprise us in any way. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is. I mean, I, I've not looked at the numbers for this one. It was released uh, on Disney Plus Premium as well as in cinemas, but must have done pretty well, I guess, if they were they're already getting off this. Mm, it, it's done pretty well. I think uh, in the box office, uh, it's only gotten beaten by a Quiet Place Part Two. Ah. Well, let's uh, let's move on then to our, our next segment to see on to Z, where we tell you the listener about films we've seen and whether you should see them or not Z them. Uh, Zijan, do you have you been frequenting cinemas without me, or do you save your cinema trips for me? Oh, of course I have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was a segment from before because I've seen a quiet place part deux. Ah, part deux. All right. Part deux. Yeah, okay. as the French says. Yeah, and I've seen an airplane. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No, hot shots. Hot shots. Part deux. Airplane was called airplane to the sequel. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just want to point out that going back to the cinema, it's quite a surreal experience. Uh, a lot of annoyances that I never expected uh, came back and reminded me of. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. What, an- what annoyed yeah. you at the cinema? Uh, especially for A Quiet Place uh, Part 2 and the first film, because you need complete silence in a film to properly um, enjoy it, because it's a very quiet film in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the premise itself, uh, for those who don't know, it, uh, monsters attack people who make noise. So, the it's it's quiet. It's pretty much quiet along uh, across uh, <laughs> across the whole film. So um, it's quite obvious when uh, people are you know chewing popcorn beside you very right. loudly uh, or unwrapping candy wrappers <laughs> beside you, and ah uh, no subtitles. Uh, I think I'm being spoiled by watching so much Netflix when there's subtitles out about. Oh yeah, I've forgotten <laughs> you like so. I hate subtitles. I love subtitles. Weird. You you say that, Colin, but you've watched Tenet, right? Yeah, no, I would have preferred that with subtitles, but I, I really, it really bugs me watching stuff. I, I, I sometimes put them on if the dialogue is really difficult to hear, but I don't like doing it just because it spoils the surprise of what's going to happen. But, no, nah, no, nah, I, I, I do like subtitles. You just read it at the same pace as they're speaking, Colin. That's all you need to do. How on earth do you do that? You just do it. You, you guys are not... Maybe I'll get German subtitles. It'll take me long enough to figure out what they're saying. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that looks. Um, but yeah, um, those things came back to me. But oh, to be back in the cinema is amazing. It's really amazing. You know what annoys me about cinemas? <laughs> whilst we're doing this, that stupid John Boyega turn off your mobile phone advert. Oh, why? Just it goes forever. It, it seems to it last. It feels like it lasts like ten minutes, which I'm sure it doesn't. Yeah, it's really uh, long. It's like yeah, I get it. Just tell us. Oh, I miss the days of when it's just a sign saying "Turn off your phone." I know. Or even know. Mark Strong kind of saying "Boo." No distractions, please. And that, at least that lasts like 15 seconds or something. Like, endless thing about John Boyega and, what's his name, Ridley Scott and various others, saying, don't watch phones and don't watch films on your phone, watch them in the cinema, but be quiet. So I'm already here. If you want to advertise the cinema, maybe advertise people who aren't already in a cinema. That's true. That's true. Bugs me, man. Bugs me. Also, trailers are so long now. <laughs> I think I've watched in, in A Quiet Place Part 2, I watch. Uh, there are four trailers, five trailers, so many trailers, way too many trailers. There you go. Um, Honestly, <laughs> we, uh, we we possibly sound like old men now, but uh, but I suppose we are. So, uh, Quiet Place Part Two. How how did it compare to uh, the Quiet Place? Well, you've seen the first one. You enjoyed the first one for a yes. horror film. Yeah. Right? So yes. this uh, was directed and written and produced by John Krasinski, who did the same for the first film. Um, and for those who don't know, he was in the office. Um, <laughs> um, John Krasinski. And he was in. Uh, uh, he's Jack Ryan. And he was. Wow. I'm trying to think what that film was with George Clooney. Leatherheads. You might know him from Leatherheads. Thanks, thanks for jumping in there, Colin. Yeah, I'm feeling in a very interrupting kind of mood today, Zeke. Yeah, you know, ruining my momentum I'm just, here. I'm just going to uh, list John Krasinski projects. Yeah, the exactly. The Hollers. Uh, the film stars real life wife uh, Emily Blunt. Aloha. Um, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I'll stop now. Um, real yes. Millicent Simmons um, and Noah Jupe from the first film as their children. Um, Millicent Simmons is a deaf actress, um, and she yeah she plays a deaf child as well in this film. Now they added Kelly Murphy mm. and Jimon Hongzu. Uh, to the cast as well. So this is a sequel to a previous film which follows a family that's forced to navigate and survive a post-apocalyptic world inhabited by blind aliens with an acute sense of hearing. Um, so this is set up pretty much after the first film, uh, immediately after the first film. So at the end of the first film, uh, Colin may remember it quite clearly, um, John Krasinski died mm. um, to save his family um, and they've discovered a way to... Um, put out a high frequency note that the aliens do not like at all um, and they've just yeah and found their weaknesses and then shoot so them with was, a big old gun exactly as you do yeah. um, so this follows pretty much after that um, the family left the their isolated home and they encountered Killian Murphy's character who is actually an old fan an old friend of the family oh yeah so they they knew each other beforehand in the before times um, yeah so it's I think it's a very good film. Okay. Uh, John Krasinski is a really talented director. Uh, he has a very good eye for camera work, especially uh, the, in the first scene uh, as well. Uh, in the first bit, they did um, when the aliens arrived, day, uh, day one, for example, and you can see John Krasinski appears there as well. Um, but the camera work there is uh, really good, really good. Mm. Um, um, he The pacing is wonderful. He knows how to build tension. Um which is uh, really good. And he tells a very compelling, good old-fashioned story, which sometimes a lot of these films kind of lack. So, yeah, I think he's a very, very talented director, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of that um, in, in, in the future. Um, uh, one thing that I did not particularly like in this film, which was the first in the first film as well, are the aliens. Okay. Um, the ones that um, kill by hearing. Um, at first I thought they were just carnivorous aliens who listened to hunts for like you know eating and sustenance but in this film you just see them just rampaging through and just knocking people back and forth without stopping to eat or anything they're just chasing down noises yeah um, I mean, they, just like that which is they, I find a little bit weird like what's the point of the aliens like what's their motivation I, I don't understand that um, yeah they, I'd say even the first one they seem to be just killing machines rather than anything else exactly but. yeah they just feel they, it's, it makes it's a bit weird like I don't know like they seem to be hunting for sport but right. like it just seems like you know evolution won't give them this kind of odd 
biology biology then you know like no sight only hearing very very sharp teeth like what 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 kind of world do they come from where that's uh, quiet it's sounds, just, sounds like bats to be honest yeah anyway well, just, uh, uh, yeah. I've, I've not seen this one but uh, I've, I've heard the uh, some spoilers about it and, oh okay uh, let's not spoil it for our listeners, but the, the monsters have some uh, previously unsuspected weaknesses, or at least one, uh, I believe. And it doesn't seem to make any sense from my here, but there you go. Um, you think it's worth a watch? Should... Oh, it's really good. The, the acting is uh, top notch. Um, even the child actors are amazing in this. Like, oh, it's, it's really good. Yeah, I would recommend watching it. And it's uh, making a lot of money as well in the cinema, so people agree with that. Oh, people are just wanting to watch something else sure, in the yeah, cinema. No. Um, I uh, I watched one called Monster, which is on Netflix. It's uh, it's a story of a, a young black kid who's uh, up in court for being an accessory to murder. Uh, so he's he's going through the system, but he's uh, 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 basically some some friends of his killed a, a shopkeeper, and, and he was um, he's been accused of kind of being an accomplice to that. Uh, and it's it's a fascinating film. It's uh, it's. It filmed in 2018. I think it did some festivals there, but it obviously had um, various delays and stuff, and it came out on Netflix uh, within the last couple of weeks, I think. Uh, it's slightly mannered in that um, they've got this kind of idea that the, the the main kid wants to be a filmmaker, and so it okay. starts off with him kind of narrating the scene. It's like, uh, scene, in, interior, jail room, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, this is my world and, and that kind of stuff kind of fades away after a while and think i'm not sure it really needed that it doesn't really add much to the story but the, the story itself i think is really interesting it's this uh like it's it, like a lot of uh courtroom things i suppose it, it, it um although it says so it's in the courtroom but has always flashbacks to his life before he was arrested and blah, blah, blah. uh and you got kind of the sense of the powerlessness of going through the system and and the people who just like so his his court-appointed lawyer uh, has also got loads of other cases and doesn't really have any time um, to, to focus too much on him. And she's played by Jennifer Ely, um, oh. who many people will know from BBC's Pride and Prejudice back in the day, but she's done many uh, many films since then. Uh, it's been l- labelled on, on Netflix under their Black Lives Matter uh, category, if that's a thing, uh, mm-hmm. which I think isn't really doing it justice because th- there are times where he's referenced as being a young black kid uh, but it's far more interesting uh, in what it's talking about class, I think, because he's a, he's from a middle class family. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's he's a good kid at school. He's got diligent parents, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the other people involved in the crime are very much not that background. So I think it's it's very interesting what it says about that and um, what the the viewers' perceptions might be, what have you. Uh, so I think it's it's not going to change your life but i think it's worth a watch uh another thing i watched this week is the wrong man uh directed by alfred hitchcock it's kind of a companion for this one because it's also about someone who has been accused of committing a crime uh, and in both cases uh they're both protesting their innocence and, and we kind of see them this one in hitchcock one he uh he's accused of uh, robbing from a bank and it's uh, he goes into the bank and the vegetable say, oh yeah, that's the guy who was in here robbing us a couple of weeks ago or how, how long ago it was. So you go see him going through the system and, and again, quite uh, quite similar parallels in many ways. Uh, it's not one of Hitchcock's best, I don't think. It's based on a true story. I think it sounds like the true story itself is quite dramatic. Uh-huh. Um, Hitchcock very rarely does stuff based on, on true stories and I think it's a little maybe duller than some of his stuff and maybe a bit more predictable. Okay. Um, possibly because of that, it's not. It's not bad. I think that's the issue, right? Where you are well known for doing like suspense and thrillers. Yeah. And I think there isn't a suspense or thriller or as good as it was before. I mean, everything will be compared against what you're good at. So. Yeah, and I think he tries to build suspense in, but there just isn't that much suspense. Because um, I think it's fairly clear. To, well, it's very clear to the viewer that this guy didn't do it. Uh, so you don't really have that hanging over him. And and then it goes a bit weird. Maybe two thirds of the way through, where his wife essentially goes insane, uh, and in the end she gets committed to a home, and, and apparently that was all true. But I'm sure it happened slightly less suddenly in real life than it did in this film, where everything's just rolling along, and then she's suddenly nuts. So uh, I I can't. I think this is maybe the sixteenth uh, Alfred Hitchcock film I've seen, mm. uh, and I would recommend most of the other fifteen ahead of this. I think so. Uh, <laughs> Hitchcock is great, but don't don't start with this one. Fair enough, fair 
Fine. Uh, we move on to our. Uh, I've realised I said blah 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 like three times in that. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> anyway, um, if you can make me look better in the other things, Ethan. Uh, we move on to our main segment, Cruella. 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 Uh, the prequel to 101 Dimensions. Albeit, my question remains: which version of 101 Dimensions is it a prequel to? Maybe we'll. Uh- well, yeah, find out. Um, probably none of them. <laughs> <laughs> probably none of them. Um, it's ahead of the recently announced Cruella 2. Uh, Zijan, tell us about what's going on. What, who is Cruella? What's, what is all this? So uh, this film directed by Craig Gillespie stars Emma Stone as the titular character. I think it's probably Gillespie. But... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pardon my pronunciation. And Emma Thompson as well. Um for those who do not know, Cruella is Cruella de Will, the bad baddie from the 101 Dalmatians film, as you've mentioned, the one who's interested in making a fur coat out of Dalmatians. Um, so being a puppy killer isn't a very nice thing to be. Controversial, and, um, but I, I agree. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, she's just, yeah, um, she comes across as very cruel, um, hence the name. So this serves as a prequel similar to Maleficent and pretty much every Disney film that doesn't have a live action remake nowadays. That's where you go to have a prequel. Um, from the trailers alone, you can see that there'll be lots of similarities between the film and the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, so this is set in London during the punk rock movement of the 1970s and the film revolves around Estella Miller, played by Emma Stone. Uh, an aspiring fashion designer. So that's where the Devil Wear Prada's um, West Prada connection comes in because Emma Thompson plays her boss um, who comes across as uh, mean and tough just like Meryl Streep's character in um, the Devil Wear West Prada. Who in turn was, for my space, not Anna Winter, um, the actual real-life fashion designer. Exactly, so, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah I... I I, I think when I saw the trailer, a lot of people were saying oh, this felt very much like um, quite similar to the Joker, uh, also Joker, uh, mm-hmm. as this kind of yeah, prequel of a villain and, and yeah, try and explain how they got to where they are. And it seemed to have quite a similar vibe. Which I yes, I think Joker meets Devil Wears Prada is probably a, as good a intro to this as, uh, as you need going in. Yep, that's fair. Uh, I uh, prepared for this by watching the uh, the Glenn Close version of 101 Dimensions. I've never read the book, and I don't think I've seen the the original animation. Although I may have done as a kid. Just Did you watch the animation again? I didn't get around to the end. I was, I was trying to do it ahead of this, and then I didn't. So sorry. Okay, so the Glenn Close version mimics the um, the the cartoon, the animated one, apart from the Dalmatians not speaking. In the Glenn Close version, yeah, but the storyline, plotline, uh, is quite similar between the two. Do you remember what jobs Roger and Anita have in the original? I know Roger was an aspiring musician, right? Okay, he plays the piano. Yeah. Okay, because in um, in the Glenn Close version, he designed computer games because mm. it was the nineties, and that's what he did for if you wanted to be a, uh, a sympathetic character in a uh, Disney film. Yeah, I I must admit I didn't really love the Glenn Close versions. Uh, it as as I do when we met up, it, it kind of started nicely, a sweet love story, and then you got this nice villain character, and then it just basically became Home Alone. It's just people, you know, Hugh Laurie and um, Mark Williams, uh, just kind of falling through gap holes and yeah, probably around. probably standing on rakes and hitting their face. I don't remember the exact thing, but it was, it was basically just a lot of animals causing traps, wasn't it? Yep. Um, which I was not necessarily expecting. So, uh, also, seen, this doesn't matter, but the 101 Dimensions, I, th- I thought they were supposed to be all uh, Pongo Imperator's dogs, but this, the, the Glenn Close no. version was like, we're cl- basically we're getting every Dalmatian in London. Yep, so um, Pongo and Perita in the, co- in the cartoon as well, they only have like 15 puppies, so sure. not many puppies. Rubbish. Oh. Yeah. Hmm? R- 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 then- rubbish effort from those Dalmatians, I say. <laughs> and then the rest comes from, uh, yeah, Cruella's collection. Basically, in the end, they, <laughs> I mean, good for good for Roger for changing his uh, career choice to becoming a game developer. Cause being an aspiring musician and raising hundred and one donations is probably not a. <laughs> that's that's gonna be tough. Not gonna be easy. Be <laughs> yeah. Although, um, well, let's, let's just jump here. I'm not quite thought we ended up, but here, is it spoilers to say that? Um, that Roger and Anita are in this film? 
Um, if you go on the Wikipedia page, you yeah. probably uh, find out. I I didn't know that. Um, it was a surprise. Um, yeah. I don't think it was a pleasant surprise because I don't think they add anything to the film whatsoever, apart from nods to the original cartoon. That's it. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, maybe we'll come on. In. So we usually talk non-spoilers and then spoilers, which I guess we'll do here as well. Because uh, so yeah. th- there are some spoiler things related to them. So let's maybe come on to it. No, but yes, I I, I did know because I'd seen I did I'd seen it on Wikipedia, um, but it was I I tend to agree, not really necessary. I, again, I don't think there's there's a whole band of people who love 101 Dimensions so much. Like I can't wait to see Roger and Anita again. I just don't think hey, it's no, that right. kind of film. Is it? even if people love that film, they love the dogs. They don't love the human characters, surely. Exactly, they're not the main characters in the film anyway. Um, you you say the main human character would be Cruella yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, yes I mean in fairness at least Disney didn't try and give us a Roger prequel <laughs> <laughs> who knows don't give them ideas <laughs> it's only a matter of time isn't it uh, well in this film he's a lawyer so maybe uh, I, 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 I'm trying to work out was he a lawyer in the original or maybe a retired lawyer or anyway uh, let's talk um, some actors who are slightly better uh, known and um, more integral to this film so it's the, the Emmos isn't it Stone yep. and Thompson they're so good though. They're so good. They're so charismatic. It's like they draw you to the screen. They're so, they're so watchable. Mm, and mm. yeah, it's, you, you just like to watch them. I, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, I just love them just prancing on screen and they seem to have, have a wonderful time there, you know. They are both <laughs> just, on, on superb form in this, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the Emma Thompson role, um, what was her name? I can't remember. <laughs> no, I can't remember. Oh, well. Uh, the Baroness. The, yes, the Baroness, who runs the fashion trade, uh, fashion label, the Baroness. Uh, I think that was offered around to a few people before it came to Emma Thompson, but I'm, I'm, I think she does an absolutely wonderful job. Um, and as you say, Emma Stone, very charismatic, um, doing a, a fine English accent. Well done, Emma. As uh, usual, like she, she did rewind her favourite as well. So. Mm, mm. You yeah, know, she's, uh, she's not one of the... Uh, not one of the, the merry band of actors or Hollywood actors who do absolutely awful accents. She, uh, it's it's still fairly um, uh, distinct, shall I say? I mean, if it, it's quite upper class. Um, anyway, it, it was very well well done. Uh, I think in the hands of a lesser actor, this is a a not very captivating role. But you you do um, you do roll go along with the ride with with her. Let's let's talk. Uh, well, there's so much spoiler stuff. I'm trying to think. Well, let's let's, <laughs> let's round out the cast. So we've got Joel Fry and uh, Paul Walterhauser as I want to say Horace and Jasper. Yeah, well, I don't call or it possibly, <laughs> possibly Jasper and Horace. Uh, who are the? I guess the henchmen. The, the bum- well, in, in the, the cartoon, they are the henchmen, yeah. but they give them more background and more meat in this uh, film. Hmm. Anyway, um, I can't remember which is Horace and which is Jasper. <laughs> I think Joel um, Fry is Jasper. Yeah. Uh, that's the more thoughtful one, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the one who's not just a big dumb idiot, just bumbling. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. I love Paul Walterhauser. Uh, I think he's really good. He was uh, also in Craig Gillespie's *I Tonya* as the bodyguard, uh, and I thought he was superb in that. But he does he does veer towards. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's correct. <laughs> now yeah. you point out, yeah, he is a bodyguard. He's really good. Yeah, he's he's great, but he does veer towards bumbling idiots most of his time. Yes, um, which is, that's true. Uh, which is fine and does a good job here. But yes, they certainly, as you say, have given more of a relationship between them and Cruella, particularly between Jasper and Cruella. Um, I, I, I think it works though. Like um, in, in in other films, it could come across as heavy-handed and trying to you know give more that to secondary characters that no one really cares about. But mm. I think in this film, it really does. It gives a it lends a softer edge um, to Cruella, who can be quite hard at times. I did at one point. I did even wonder whether they were kind of going for a romantic subplot, which I don't think they were. No, I don't um, think they were. Was, I didn't catch that. If there no, was. well, it was more kind of. I think maybe Jasper was a bit uh, besotted with with Cruella or Estella as she was born, mm. um, but maybe I was reading too much into that. So we should say. So she's as you say, she's called Estella. Um, one of the things about prequels mm-hmm. um, that I don't love is where okay. they they try and bring in. Like like the 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 worst offender is is solo, where he's like, my name's Han. What's your last name? I haven't got one. I'm by myself. I, I'll call you Han Solo. Yeah, that's awful. That was awful. That but this so wasn't much better. Where her mum's like, now now, be it Estella, not Cruella. <laughs> Come on. 
I, I kind of <laughs> get it because like what else is this is the problem i suppose of taking a, uh, a fairly two-dimensional or one-dimensional villain and trying yeah. to give them backstory it's like well she can't have been christened cruella de vil so uh yep uh, so she takes cruella her first name from uh, a bad pun by her mother yeah and, and her, her last name from a car, from a car. yeah yeah that wasn't the best part of the film uh, <laughs> but the other bits i think it worked kind of like I, we didn't give an overall uh what we thought about our film uh, no we, we walked out of the cinema uh and didn't discuss this film at all <laughs> no we were, it was quite difficult i thought it was a solid film i really enjoyed this prequel film yeah i really enjoyed exactly. this i can't really justify why all <laughs> <laughs> right let's see if it I could c- be because you haven't seen a film in the cinema for a long time i did i saw um Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Is it because you haven't seen a film in the cinema with me? With you, that's it. Time. I was just. Uh, I'll be honest. I wasn't looking at the screen. I was just staring at you. <laughs> Isn't it great to have Dijon here again? Uh, no, I think. I mean, it's, it's probably what we've already said about the, how charismatic um, uh, Thompson and, and Stone are. They're on fine form. Craig Gillespie. I love I Tonya, and he directed that, and he's he's a very um, light-footed, I guess, um, charismatic director. So it's, it's kind of it's a film that didn't need to happen. There's a backstory to a character I've never cared slightly about, but despite all that, yeah, I had, I had a great old time. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good old romp. Um, like uh, we can talk about. So the things that makes it good as well, like the music, for example. Music you were singing to I the was, music at I one was point. Along. I do, do apologise. It's such great music <laughs> in a cinema. <laughs> singing right beside me. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't deny. It. I did wonder if you'd notice. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just wall to wall, fantastic tunes. It's like the the the, bu- the song budget alone must be uh, must be about half the budget for this film. It was, I think it's like a lot of a lot of films. You can kind of judge the budget by what songs they're playing. If it's like, yeah. okay, that sounds a little bit like Queen, but it's not. It's a very low budget, and it's like, oh, okay, they've managed to get Queen for the end credits. But this is like every scene. We're just going to play a, a smash hit from the seventies or. Something. I know, right? Some of the songs are quite on the nose. <laughs> yes. Their yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. Very, very on the nose. But honestly, yeah, it's a good selection of music, though. Very, very good selection. Yeah, of music. No, the, 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 I can't remember the examples now, but there, there were one or two times where it's like, okay, the lyrics of this song are exactly what's happening on screen. I didn't. There was one about that mentioned uh, dogs in the lyrics at the same time as some dogs were running around. And yep. Like, okay. Yep. We get it. But still, ah. I had a great time. Uh, I had a great time with that. Um, so this isn't really spoilers. I think it's just fairly early on. Um, we see, we, see a, we start off with a young Estella, who has the white and black hair already, by the way. There's no explanation for that. It's a genetic thing, right? Uh, apparently so. And um, and then we see this quite nice bit where... Um, is it nice? I can't, I can't make my mind whether I like it or hate it. But she's in school being told off and the teacher is putting these black dots in boxes on this report card and uh, clearly in a Dalmatian style um, I don't know if I hate that or not but yeah her mother is killed by three angry Dalmatians which puts a whole new spin on the whole Cruella thing doesn't it <laughs> I mean if my mother was killed by uh, I don't know juggling balls I think I'd be quite anti-juggling balls I think it's probably fair that she's anti-Dalmatian yeah that, that, that kind of makes sense yeah, um, yeah. Um, uh, the 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 amazing CGI isn't that great at parts. To be fair, um, I thought yeah, it's mostly part- right, apart from when they tried to make them look angry. Yes, <laughs> yeah. those are the worst bits. Yeah, uh, yeah they look quite bad. Uh, we should say Mark uh, Mark Strong was on this. Um, solid, and I enjoyed the fact that in a flashback he had hair. I I actually laughed out loud when I saw his hair. I haven't seen Mark Strong with hair for many years. Yeah, that was lovely. Uh, uh, I thought so. Before, I mean, we're getting close to spoilers. I think. Um, yeah. I thought maybe it ran a, ran a little long. Uh, I'd, I'd read reviews saying it was a bit over long, and I, was, I wasn't feeling that at all. Apart from, uh, I think when it was gearing up for the final, final scenes, I was like, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. we've got another whole bit of storyline, have we?" I could have done with it being. I mean, it rolled along quite quickly, but maybe could have cut five ten minutes out of it. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't feel like that for me. It just ran okay. by. Yeah, it's a good pacing uh, for me. Cool. Um, I would happily watch another of these. Um, I'd happily see Emma Stone do her Cruella stuff once more. Yeah, it's really good. Um, before we go to spoilers, I just had to mention one last thing. Um, uh, I'm not a fashion connoisseur by any means, necessary. Okay. And looking at the fashion in most films, I you know 
they they do their part, but yeah. honestly, the the costumes in this are uh, this film alone is 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 astounding, right? Actually, that was, that was my first bullet point. I forgot to say, yes, they they yeah. were. Uh, if this doesn't win best costume Oscar, I would be astonished. Um, yeah. yeah, no, they were. I mean, it's obviously it's in the fashion world, and both both uh, Baroness and Cruella are, are fashion designers, and, and you get to see them all, particularly uh, Cruella, in all sorts of exciting gowns and things. Like you, I'm not uh, not known for my glorious fashion. Um, right now, I'm wearing a football shirt. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, but yes, it was uh, remarkable, and and really does yeah, really worked. Um, it does from that point of view. Uh, yeah, so. Put away your your um, fears and worries and go out and check out Cruella. Um, and if you have already done that, then welcome to the spoiler section. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So, here's the, the biggest weakness of this film. <laughs> is that it's not really a prequel to 101 Dimensions, is it? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, which yeah, in fairness yeah. is true of most films. I can't... I can't criticize. I don't think I've ever seen a film that was a prequel to 101 Dimensions. But the the Cruella in those films, and so I've not seen the cartoon, but you should say it's quite similar, apparently, um, is is kind of what Cruella was like in this film about two thirds of the way through. Mm-hmm. So she was being rude to to Jasper Horace. She was being like, yeah, basically no longer treating them as friends. She was treating them as subordinates. Yeah. Um, she was vicious and, and hell bent on revenge. And there was a suggestion at one point she may even have skinned some dogs to make a coat. And she laughed at it. Yeah, which turns out she hadn't. Um, but then she kind of learns the the error of her ways. Yep. The the Cruella at the end of this film, I don't see a link with the Cruella in the cartoon. Not even slightly. All. And maybe Cruella no. 2 is going to do that. But yeah, because I, I think in, in Joker, we've talked about this before, and you think that he doesn't really feel that much like the Joker you see in Dark Knight or, or even um, Batman 1989. But at least he is clearly a villain. Yes. Uh, whereas Cruella was basically the hero. She wasn't even an anti-hero. Yep. She was I kind agree of a, that. She she defeated the the really evil character. She went bad along the way, but learnt the error of her ways, and everything's hunky dory now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't mind that. That's quite a nice end of the film. But it's not. It's difficult to see how they get from here to 101 Dimensions. I don't think they will. Like, come on, she even gave the puppies, um, the Dalmatian puppies to Roger and Anita and named them Pongo and Perita as well along the way. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be quite a stretch to kidnap them like, <laughs> down the road just to make fur coats out of them uh, and their, their pup, uh, and their kid and their puppies as well. So, so yeah, yeah, so she, as yeah. you say, she commandeered the three Dalmatians that did belong to the Baroness and they give birth. And yes, there's Pongo and Perita, uh, who she gives to Roger and Anita for no reason. I know, right? Especially Roger. Why Roger? It's like, <laughs> it's not like Roger did anything for her at any point in time. Yeah, because he was a lawyer. He worked for her, maybe, or something. Or worked for the Baroness, probably. Um, and then, yeah, her friend Anita was working at the on the gossip column of the local paper. So she just sent him each a dog. Which, to be honest, even if you do like someone, that's quite a big uh, big gamble, isn't it? To like just give uh, someone a dog. Yeah, I know, right? Like... Especially Dalmatians. Did you know that after the 101 Dalmatians film with Grand Close, people had to stop, uh, um, you know, they're trying to stop people from adopting oh, or I bet that went getting the roof, yeah. real yeah. Dalmatians in real life because Dalmatians are notoriously difficult oh, yeah. to raise right. um, among other dogs. So, and most people just give up after like a few uh, years or a few months and then they'll just end up in the pound. So that's uh, why they've been trying to actively discourage people to adopt uh, rare Dalmatians after the first film. I bet so. So these like dog refuge charities, when they saw this film was coming, oh no. <laughs> you know, oh, right, no. I know. Here we go again. Uh, yeah, so, so she ends up with these dogs. So we're led to believe that, so she's already made a kind of a faux Dalmatian fur coat and she's got these three dogs and she's looking after them and blah, blah. And we're then led to believe that not that long down the road, a few years maybe, She's so manically obsessed with having to have a Dalmatian fur coat that she will go out and find and kill 101 <laughs> Dalmatians. Like you already had Dalmatians, you like you, you could have done them. You could have like just bred them yourself. She must be <laughs> exactly. No, at no point in the film do I remember her kicking herself. It's like I wish I really, I wish I held on to those dogs. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't make any connection. I think at that point you're like, well, why are you even doing a prequel to this film if it's going to be a different universe that doesn't end up the same? Mm. But despite that, despite that. 
we should probably explain about Emma Thompson's character in this and uh, who she was, what she did. Uh, yep, she ends up, surprise, surprise, as being the real mother mm. of uh, Cruella. Um, but she gave, no, she didn't give up for adoption. She basically told uh, Mark Strong's character to get rid of her. Take care of it, I think was the phrase, because then uh, he was claiming he misconstrued that as, you know, take care of it. Mm. Although, curious, and this was a, uh, I don't know whether you noticed this or whether it was just me, I, I got my wires crossed or something, but, so, the Baroness does say to Mark Strong, when I said take care of it, I meant kill it, before she's realised that Corella is her daughter. It just doesn't seem to come, have any, she, there's no way that she knows what she's referring to there. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. Well, I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> no, maybe I, I just missed something, I don't know. Mm, um, I it seems such all. a weird error, if it was one. Mm. I think the I think what they were trying to bring out is this whole nature versus nurture debate because I've been watching lots of uh, interviews with uh, both Emma's and they they brought this up because obviously, um, you know Emma Thompson's character is quite cruel and vicious um, um, and domineering and then they're thinking whether uh, Emma Stone's character gains most of it from her or from her adopted mother who is more nurturing. Who is lovely and tells her not to be cruel, um, mm. but got killed by Emma Thompson uh, the Baroness. When she went there, presuming to ask for some money or something, um, yep. she set the donations on her with a whistle, mm-hmm. uh, which all comes back to, to play. Yeah, so in fact, so so Corella's, uh, or Stella, uh, her great uh, way to deal with this is to basically re- entice Baroness into the same situation as before to, to get Baroness to push her over the edge. But uh, meanwhile, had subtly invited hundreds of people to come and watch this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she survived um, falling over the edge by turning her dress into a parachute. To parachute. We've all been yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, not, it was all very obvious what was going to happen, I thought. And there was no... I mean, that's the other problem with pretty cause. I didn't think that Cruella was going to die. I was fairly confident she had a parachute in her dress. Oh. Why not? She nailed it. Um, I quite thought, I thought the set pieces in this were quite nice. They're like the, the first robbery scene, heist scenes. Which I thought were handled very well. Very didn't didn't outstay their welcome. They were smoothly done. Um, kind of uh, not well with with the with the great soundtrack we've already talked about. Uh-huh. Should say that uh, she's got red hair for much of the film. So uh, you see her kind of dye her hair red, and then she's living this double life where she's this famous fashion designer that no one knows the provenance of, uh, called Corella. But she's also uh, timid. Um, fashion designer working for uh, the Baroness. Mm. So the Baroness is like, who is this Cruella woman who looks just like you but with slightly different coloured hair? Uh, <laughs> you can't tell because she's wearing glasses, wearing Colin. Glasses. There's a Clark Kent Superman classic, syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did like the bit where um, they had all those beads that turned out to be uh, fly cocoons or something. Uh, I couldn't work out whether they were flies or bats for a while. Uh, the CGI Ooh. there wasn't perfect. but I think They're like moths, moths, right? That was it, moths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that look, that's quite clever. No, that was clever. I didn't see that coming. That was fun. Mm. But yeah, um, I don't think there's anything else to spoil, really. Um, no. So, uh, so it seems to be agreed. It's a good, fun film. But if you if you are a devotee of Hundred and One Dimensions lore, <laughs> you will be disappointed. Uh, but if you aren't, then you just want yeah. to find a film to enjoy in the cinema nowadays. I think this is a very good choice. Yeah. And stick around for the mid-credit scene um, where. We've already told you exactly what happens. <laughs> exactly. Uh, cool. We move on then to our segment, a little back in Oscar, where we talk about a uh, Best Picture Oscar-winning film from the yesteryear. And this time it's Shakespeare in Love. Uh, Zizan, your first Your time watching this. Film. Uh, tell me. Tell me, what's, tell me about Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love uh, depicts a fictional love affair involving Shakespeare and Viola um, while Shakespeare was writing Romeo and Juliet. So this is a, a romantic period comedy drama film um, winning seven Oscars at the 71st Academy Awards, including Best Picture, uh, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress and Best Screenplay. Um, and it stars uh, Joseph Fiennes. I can never pronounce the last name. I think that's Fiennes. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Will Shakespeare and Gwyneth Paltrow as Viola. So um, there was huge controversy when this film won Best Picture over Saving Private Ryan, uh, with many industry people speculating that this was due to the awards campaign, led by Harvey Weinstein. Uh, yeah, Harvey Weinstein was, uh, this was a, a very big concerted effort on his point, wasn't it? To, uh, to he, he did, 
Yeah, you, uh, he basically strong lung, strong armed the movie's talent into participating in lots of interviews. Um, and apparently in a poll in 2015, Academy of Members indicated that given a second chance, they would award the Oscar for Best Picture to Saving Private Ryan. Mm. So, very controversial indeed. It, I think this is much better than Saving Private Ryan, to be honest. I, I like Saving Private Ryan more. Fair enough. I love this film. I'm sensing you didn't. Okay, tell me why you love this film. I can tell you why. Why you don't. Um, yes. I, I think it's very funny. Uh, I think it's got uh, a lovely romantic uh, story in the middle uh, as, as the the basic plot. Uh, I think it's quite clever if you know your Shakespeare, albeit not really obscure but uh, by any means, but they've got some famous lines thrown mm-hmm. in. Um, there's some nice background to Twelfth Night, cause a lot of, which obviously, obviously, obviously uh, has fire there. Um, I mean, come on, right? Like, yeah, we all know that. When, when you have the main heroine, it's name is Viola. Viola. You, you, you know where you'll come. Yes, who dresses <laughs> as a, a man. As a man, yeah. Uh, in that film and that play. Uh, but yeah, I, I, found, I watched it again this week uh, in preparation and I found it even funnier than before. I think it's hilarious. Hmm. So, um, I, I don't think you need to have an in-depth knowledge of Shakespeare to no, appreciate all the no. Easter egg notes, not, notes to him, honestly. They're mostly well-known. I, I know most of it. I'm not, I, I, don't, I only have a passing knowledge of Shakespeare, but I did really enjoy spotting them. Um, hmm. It felt a bit like Ready Player One for the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get my... Yeah, just, I see. Just I lots see. of references yeah. and here and there, popping here and there. So I, I did appreciate that. I think, like, I don't think it's a bad film by any means. Hmm. Um like I don't think it is a bad one at all. I think I just felt kind of lackluster to me because I didn't expect the comedy bits. So I think some parts felt a lot more like a Monty Python sketch. Okay. More than anything else, like um, I personally don't really get the point of doing a fictionalized version of a real character. Okay. Um, but maybe that's just me. Just um, but um, and and sometimes it just felt too much like a parody at times because of this whole Monty Python sketch thing but I, I don't think it's a bad film it, by it, any yeah, means. Yeah, it did go sometimes a bit too far into parody. So things like right at the beginning he's got a mug that says something like Welcome to Stratford or something on it which yeah. clearly wouldn't have at the, uh, at the time. Uh, but I think it did a good job of kind of obviously it's very fictionalised but kind of plausible explanations for various things that happened Um so these r- rumors that William Shakespeare had an affair with a with a man, um, things like how did Kit Marlowe die? Those mm-hmm. things are kind of oh, this is a plausible scenario that would generate those rumors, those all those um, uh, myths around these characters. So I quite I quite liked uh, that. I thought it was quite clever from that respect. Uh, I quite like the um, the guy who st- who rode him across the lake, who was basically a, a London cabbie. Uh, <laughs> I had that uh, I had that Kit Marlowe in my in my boat once. Thought it was funny. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of a who's who of um, uh, British, uh, well, not just comedy, but it's British comedy and British acting from around that time. Um, mm, yeah, I, I I did enjoy spotting people that I did not know was in this mm. film. Like, I didn't know Ben Affleck was in it, so I was like, oh, yeah, not, oh that's Ben Affleck. Yeah, not oh, just British, I wasn't doing a fairly decent British accent. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's Colin Firth. That's Colin Firth with an earring in his left ear. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, Imelda Staunton. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I've forgotten about Liston, wasn't it? So you say Judy Dench won an Oscar for it, which I'm not entirely convinced was deserved for her very brief screen time. She did a good job. She was, quite, she was very funny, though. Yeah, she was. I don't know who she was up against, in fairness, but uh, it was good. I, I watched a trailer from the time uh, a while ago, and it's um, they were really pushing Gwyneth Paltrow for Best Actress, which, as, as you say, she won. Uh, but they were kind of claiming it, it was like one of these roles where people are playing loads of different characters. So it's like, she's playing Viola, and she's playing... And then they like show her as... Um, uh, as Romeo, and then they show her as uh, Juliet. You know, it's not. She was very good in it, but I don't think she was like playing a wide array of characters. Oh. Uh, and yeah, but a, a genuinely moving love story as well. I thought, even if uh, uh, Colin Firth was the uh, the cuckolded chap. Yeah, um, I, I I do agree that. It, it was more of a love story towards the end. It just felt more like lust than love in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's something about that, I suppose, yes. Yeah. Mm. You didn't see a lot of um, Joseph Fiennes since then. No, I think he's now doing very well on The Hermit's Tale. Oh, is he? Oh, oh. good. Oh, good. Uh, cool, okay. Well, different different opinions on that one, but um, neither of us dislike it, so... Uh, if no, it's basically whether you think it 
should win the Oscar or seeing Private Ryan or not. That's it. Really. Fact, I've only seen seeing Private Ryan once. Maybe I should watch it again. Uh, next time we're going back to Actor Factor where we talk about the films of a particular actor. Zijan, have you prepared I've an a- Actor Factor for us? Michael Caine. Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Not a lot of people know that. Oh, that's a terrible Michael Caine impression. I'll work on it for next time. Uh, cool. I... Now, is this one of these ones where you pick someone that you've not seen any films by, or is this... Uh... I'm, sh- I'm sure I've seen lots of Michael Caine films. Excellent. Any that weren't directed by Christopher Nolan? <laughs> yeah, they're all directed by Christopher Nolan, okay. I think. Fine. Uh, we move on to our final segment, which is the quiz. Uh, I think we're, we're level, level for right? the year. Yeah, yeah. we are level. Um, after your victory last time, we're quizzing on Blade Runner films. Kick us off, season. Uh, question one: Which two actors reprise their roles from Blade Runner in Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Uh, Harrison Ford. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if you're counting Sean Young. I'm not counting Sean Young. I got a bracket saying not counting Sean. Uh, Young. Okay, fine. because she didn't really reprise. Not her really. Role. No, she was in it, but not. Um, ooh, who else was in it? Uh, I don't remember anyone else reprising the roles. So I'm going to have to. Yes, I can quickly think of something. Which I don't Oh. I'm going to say Edward James almost, but I don't think it was. No, that's correct. Oh, it is. All right, I don't remember mm-hmm. him uh, coming back. Lovely. Um, surplus aerial shots from which film were used in the end scene of the original Blade Runner? Or the, the original the, uh, theatrical release of Blade Runner? Uh, that's The Shining, right? It is The Shining. Oh. So weird. Question two. Which singer, a core influence on the Blade Runner franchise, was considered by Dennis Villeneuve for the part of Neander Wallace before their untimely passing? Ooh. So that's the role played by Jared Leto in the end. All right. Oh. Um, a singer who's a, was a key influence on Blade Runner, is it? Yeah, a core influence on the Blade Runner franchise was the first choice by Dennis Villeneuve. I'm going to go for Evangelist, but... Uh... No, it would be David Bowie. Ah, was he an influence on that? Mm, it's, uh, yeah. Didn't know that. Cool. Uh, complete this famous line, Zijan. Mm-hmm. All those moments will be lost in time, like... Tears and rain. Tears and rain. Very good. I was even doing a little, uh, little impression for you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Uh, question three. Interestingly, the term Blade Runner is never mentioned at all in Philip K. Dick's book. Where did the name Blade Runner come from? Uh, uh, I'm assuming it's a. I'm assuming the answer is not just the film Blade Runner. Uh, I don't know from an advert. No, uh, except another book, but it's from a book. Was it another sci-fi book by uh, William S. Burroughs? Oh, really? Uh, originally by Alan E. Norse, Blade Runner. Oh, that's interesting. Because hmm. yeah, it never really makes any sense, does it, in the film? No, it's he like, doesn't have a blade or anything. Yeah. He makes... Very odd. Um, complete this famous line. It's too bad she won't live. But then again... Oh. That impression probably not quite so good, but you know. <laughs> no, I think, it's actually not, I think it's not bad. I'll have to listen to it back, but I think, uh, okay. I, think I nailed okay. it. It's too bad you don't live, but then again, I have no guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, neither have I. Uh, who does? Uh, I think it's the last okay. line in the film. Yeah. Nice. Um, question four. In the Blade Runner universe, what is a spinner? Uh, it's a transport flying thing. Yep, flying car. It was. It appeared in uh, Back to the Future 2. I did it. The version of it is, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Um, who directed Soldier, uh, a film that is set in the same universe? Oh, I'm going to randomly guess, because I know that Ridley Scott's son directed a few, so I'm going to go with uh, Luke Scott, I think. Oh, uh, no, it was Paul W.S. Anderson. Ah, okay, I didn't know that. Um, I think we're tight, right? Uh, yes, two all going to the last question. Yeah, so what appears as the last track of the Blade Runner soundtrack album? Wow. Okay. Oh, it's probably um, Tears in Rain. Yeah, you're correct. I don't choose random questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because no, I, 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 I went to the Tears in Rain uh, Wikipedia page today. So uh, Yeah, yeah uh, that's correct. 
Cool, let's see if you can pull a level. Um, who played Nyanda Wallace in Blade Runner 2049? Ah, uh, uh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. It's three or... We did, we did pretty well. There's a lot to ask about Blade Runner. Um, no, it's very interesting, though. I, I found so much trivia about it. I, I thought I didn't know. So yeah, really no, it's, um, it's got a lot going on. Oh. Uh, for anyone who, who knows me and wants to see my reenactment of the, uh, the scene from Blade Runner, I, I, in lockdown I reenacted 30 different movie scenes, but one of them was a scene from Blade Runner. Where I was, uh, do you see those videos? In I, I, I reenacted the the tears and rain speech, literally standing in the shower with the shower on, which did not come off on the video as much as I was hoping. Um, with ketchup smeared on my face, it was uh, it was a piece of art. Uh, next time we are quizzing uh, on the Tomb Raider franchise, just because uh, it's in in the news of being bought by Amazon, so why not? Okay. Uh, what's our main topic for next time, Zijan? Oh, I'm so looking forward to this one. Uh, of all the films, like, uh, <laughs> you should know this because um, uh, we've spoken about this early this year and early last year about the film that I'm most looking forward to in both years. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's that's hope it actually comes out this year. It's in the heights. In the heights. I I must admit, uh, I've seen the trailer and I'm also pretty excited about this one. So uh, mm. let's see if it lives up to the hype. See you then. Bye. <laughs>